I V M. You are listening to the Signal Daily, brought to you by Front Page Studios. Do you remember the forty-four billion dollar offer Elon Musk made to acquire Twitter and take it private? Yeah, well, that might not come through. Elon Musk appears to be pulling out, pun intended, of his agreement with Twitter while claiming that the microblogging site made false and misleading representations about user data, particularly in relation to the monitoring of spam and fake profiles on the platform. However, the social media company has said that it intends to take legal action to enforce the contract. Following his decision to purchase Twitter in April, Musk's decision to back out of the agreement is the most recent development in this prolonged controversy. According to the Wall Street Journal, Musk also cites the layoffs and exits as a reason for moving away from the agreement, claiming that Twitter strayed from its usual course of work since he made his original offer. The report also notes that Musk questioned whether advertisers could actually rely on Twitter's user statistics, claiming that the platform was understating the number of spam accounts and bots. He also doubted whether he actually has more than a hundred million followers. However, Twitter has just lately reinforced its long-standing claim that only less than five percent of its accounts are fake. The social media company has gone through an extended period of instability, and it has been actively seeking user and revenue growth. Twitter said over a year ago that it will strive to attain at least 315 million monetizable daily active users and at least double its earnings to 7.5 billion dollars by the end of 2023. But that looks like a difficult goal to achieve at the moment. However, there's one party that is winning out of this Twitter fiasco, and that is the Tesla shareholders. Tesla shares rose on Friday, according to a TechCrunch article. As investors responded positively to Elon Musk's decision to dissolve his forty-four billion dollar agreement to buy Twitter, although let's see how this Twitter saga plays out in the end. We'll be here to break the news to you. For the next few minutes, you are going to know a little more than you did yesterday from the world of technology, business, policy, and anything that leaves you with the food for thought. I am Farheen Khan, and here is the deep dive for 11th July 2022. Sri Lanka is in the middle of a severe economic crisis. This is possibly the worst one since their independence in 1948. A lot has happened. The government is in debt of 51 billion dollars. Its currency has fallen by 80 percent, which in turn is raising the costs of imports, and inflation is out of hand. Sadly, the situation is becoming worse as food prices have increased by 57%. The tourism industry was a key driver of economic development for the island nation, but it has slowed down due to COVID crisis and safety concerns raised in the wake of the 2019 terrorist attacks. Plus, as per several news reports, Sri Lanka's inflation reached 50% in June. However, this is hardly the end of the nation's problems. The cause of this economic disaster is poor governance, and since the citizens realize this, there have been a number of protests against the Rajapaksa government. Gotabaya Rajapaksa, the president of Sri Lanka, has offered to step down from presidency on July 13th after protesters invaded his home on Saturday, July 9th, according to Sri Lanka's Newswire. And the House Speaker Mahinda Yapa Abevardena will reportedly assume the post for the following 30 days until a new president is chosen by the Parliament, according to a report by Bloomberg. 
Several incidents transpired on the night of 9th July. Thousands of Lankan demonstrators attacked the Gotabaya Rajapaksa home in Colombo after breaking through police roadblocks. Additionally, the protesters set Prime Minister Ranil Vikramasinghe's home on fire just hours after he announced his resignation. Today, we have Dimitu Atanyak, a journalist from Sri Lanka, joining us for the episode. She is here to elaborate on the crisis unfolding in Sri Lanka as we speak. Hi Dimitu, thank you so much for joining us on the Signal Daily. As you know, we are discussing the ongoing crisis in Sri Lanka. In recent events, the president has resigned and the prime minister's home was set on fire. Could you tell us what is happening in Sri Lanka right now? Nothing much has been happening in Sri Lanka when you compare the events of yesterday. Uh today has been a day of silence and a day of waiting for something to happen. So there's a sense of uncertainty today because, uh, as you said, although the the president has informed the speaker that he will resign on Wednesday, uh, the people are not uh, like people are not willing to trust that the president will resign, or even the prime minister will resign. Although he has said that he is also willing to step down, because uh, this has been going on for so long, so people people think that. unless they actually resign they 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 like you know they don't want to get their hopes up and in may right after the violence broke out and uh, you know the the pro- supporters of uh, former prime minister who was also the uh, brother of president gotabaya rajapaksha uh, they they had clashes with the anti government protesters and then this escalated then Uh, led into uh, a number of uh, houses being burnt and uh, in, like number of, to a number of deaths so uh, after this incident when prime uh, prime prime minister mahinda rajapaksha stepped down people at that point people expected to have a prime minister who would actually solve their problems and who would actually like you know get together with the parliament and force president uh, gotabaya rajapaksha to step down but what happened was instead the prime minister ranil wickremesinghe came into power and formed formed a government with uh, president gotabaya so that kind of led developed into public mistrust as time went on because the they are like cost of living and their day to day burdens were not getting any less it it was in big time so together that that uh, de- that uh, developed into a situation where people didn't want to trust the government and they didn't want to trust the decisions made by the government even i mean th- there would have been instances where the government is actually doing something and they would tell we are going to do something but they didn't want to trust anymore with the president stepping down how does this affect the current situation in sri lanka right now uh, the that that will create a bit of a vacuum and un- unless just the president steps down and the prime minister ranil wickremesinghe uh, then by default uh, becomes the president as per the constitution of sri lanka but if they both step down uh, then what happens is uh, the speaker becomes the acting president for a short period and until the parliament uh, comes together and appoints uh, again uh, like a prime minister and what is the government doing to preserve its foreign exchange you can say it's a foundation of the economic crisis but i think it it 
you have to go a little further beyond that as well because what led into foreign exchange crisis was the massive amount of debts that accumulated over time, right? And what the government did was uh, to service this debt, they tapped into the treasury reserves, which you are not supposed to do. So this led into a massive uh, foreign exchange uh, crisis and also... Uh, at the time, you know, like tourism remittances, tourism revenue was uh, reduced because of COVID. And then even the foreign remittances uh, dropped down because, you know, some of our migrant workers came back home. Uh, so this is what led into the foreign exchange uh, crisis. But but then again, the, the steps taken by the central bank, the policy of the central bank uh, since they announced that there's a foreign exchange crisis. For example, uh, they they pegged the dollar to 200 rupees when it was very clear that in the gray markets and in the black markets, you know, it was it was close to 260, 270, and then it kept rising. And people didn't want to send money through like regular channels into the local banks because they were losing out when they were converting money. And they also brought in this room where they had to... Uh, mandatorily convert all uh, foreign currency in the in the accounts into the local currency by by the next month by a certain day in the next month so this all again discouraged the people who were sending sending dollars to the country and uh, like the remittances against them because of this policy but uh, so as of now uh, you you don't actually actually see a lot of I mean, there, there are a lot of efforts central bank is making at the macroeconomic level. But when it comes to day-to-day activities, you don't really see a lot because what has happened was even when it comes to export industries, this whole world crisis. Uh, so since for like two or two, three weeks now, we have been in severe fuel crisis where the fuel is issued only to um, essential services. So uh, this means that, you know, export industries, for example, the seafood industry, which is one of the major exporters uh, in the country, is uh, being affected. The entire supply chain is being affected. And so they, they, they like when I spoke to them about uh, about a week or two back, they said that their monthly revenue is down by about 50%. So this is the same for most of the export industries. And... Uh, Tourism is again hard hit, you know, a lot of countries, including the United Kingdom, is having travel advisories against us. So there would be, there are, there are policy measures that have been taken by the central bank, like tightening the monetary policy. But, you know, at, at, like, at, like when it comes to industrial level, nothing much can be done also. I think I'm, I'm not sure, like nothing much is happening because we are in this vicious cycle where we don't have uh, fuel for the supply chains to function and, you know, for the people to get about. Could you also tell us how people are managing to survive with food shortages, rising inflation, and a declining currency value? So it is actually a really sad situation. Uh, I mean, I, I, I won't even say that people are managing. I, I'm not sure whether I should even say that, you know, because uh, when it when you look at people like uh, from uh, low, like daily, daily families dependent on daily earners and then families from lower income uh, earners, you know, they, 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 they take, no longer take three meals per day. They take two meals or they might take even less meals. And, you know, even, even the meal, they, they eat less. 
and this is especially like uh, prom prominent in urban areas from some I, I realized from some research I did because people in the villages they have home gardens and they would have some some vegetable or food growing in their garden which they can supplement with and and people have been shifting into jackfruit a lot you know because it's a very common growing uh, tree in Sri Lanka so we don't be at the same time we also don't have uh, you know where waves of people are like die, like skipping meals for a day or two at a time but uh, we are this is supposed to be the starting point of the food crisis also so we have to see how it goes when it comes to medical crisis it, it's terrible because I, I i know a lot of people who don't have a lot of don't have essential drugs they need like some like hospitals go in and out of supplies you know no, no, no. There are some donation drives, so they would get some get some essential drugs, and then when that set goes out of stock, you have to wait for a little bit of time to for the next stock stock to arrive. So it it, it has been like that, and uh, especially with this world crisis, even the medical staff has not been having uh, petrol to go petrol or diesel to get into the hospitals, uh, and even even like heart surgeries have been. Uh, postpones because the, some hospitals reduce the number of uh, surgeries they do per week because you know the staff is their staff is stuck at workers additionally the nation has raised import taxes on a variety of products how severely is that impacting the general public actually uh, the import taxes raising import taxes was one measure the government was uh, going to uh, take to you know Increase their both foreign exchange revenue plus their like uh, the local revenue, you know, because earlier what happened was there 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 was a number of uh, imports that were restricted. They were not un unless you have a license, you couldn't get these imports into the country. But now what they are doing is they are they are bringing these into the country, but they are they are you know taxing it. Uh, but so, but when you look at look at these taxes, like these these taxes are on items like chocolate, on cheese. These are no, these have and even things like butter. So these have not been uh, accessible to the lower income groups for a while. You know, it's a cheese has always been like seen as a luxury good in Sri Lanka, and even these important chocolate imported chocolate brands has been a luxury good. So it's only things like milk powder that would become less, uh, less and less uh, affordable to the people from, um, you know, the to the general public because milk powder is a daily uh, used to be at least a, day, a daily uh, like uh, something that you uh, like families consume on a daily basis because fresh milk is more expensive used to be at least more expensive than milk powder in Sri Lanka. How secure are people with their jobs and businesses? So there, are, there are a lot of uh, job and there are a lot of income losses again for the daily wage workers. Since uh, and people working for uh, as a freelancers and and doing part time jobs, you know, because. Uh, uh, for the daily wage workers, like for example, if I I speak spoke to few people who were working as daily wage laborers in carpentry workshops. So what they say is, when things become difficult to the workshop, 
they, they hire them less for extra work, you know, because there's nothing much left for them to hire daily wage laborer. And, uh, but this is, uh, and also when it comes to freelancers and even people like interns and uh, people who are not on a permanent contract, these are the first set of people a company would live or like, you know, company would not, uh, you know, renew their contract. So that's how it is. But it's, it's also like that is there, but there is also this dynamic that like a large number of people are like both skilled, skilled workers and, you know, white collar workers are migrating. Like that's a huge brainwave that's happening. Like, for example, the, in the tourism industry, which used to be a very lucrative industry before 2000, 2019 Easter Sunday attacks, uh, now pe- people have lost jobs and even the permanent staff has lost part of their salary because like a huge part of their salary used to come in the form of commission. And so, they, but they, they, these are, most of these are well-trained uh, employees. So some of them are looking at migrating because, uh, you know, the industry has been hit hard during 2019 East Sunday attack. Then uh, again, during the 2020 and 2021 because of COVID. And now, because of the economic crisis, so that's that's the dynamic. What is the possible bailout here for Sri Lanka? How can the country be saved from the impending food crisis? I believe the former PM had said Sri Lanka will run out of food by August. So actually, like to mention here, this is actually one of the things that uh, would have, like uh, you know, kind of made public distrust the PM because in as soon as he was appointed in May, like you said, he said there's going to be a food crisis by August. But then like last month, uh, he said, uh, oh, we are, we are going to have food security plan. So nobody will, we, I will ensure like three meals per day. So, you know, the, the, there was a bit of inconsistency. But, but from what I, what I see that's actually happening, the steps that's actually been taken, uh, so our food crisis was partly triggered by the uh, the foreign tr- currency crisis because we don't have money to import food and partly triggered by this uh, policy, government policy where they converted into organic agriculture overnight. So because of the organic agriculture, they banned uh, chemical fertilizer and this resulted in uh, yield losses. The, in, during the last season, they, they, there was a loss of about uh, 40 to 50 percent. So now what they have done is now today actually uh, uh, fertilizer ship this weekend, the fertilizer ship actually has arrived, a chemical fertilizer ship. So I think the next uh, next season, uh, the, we, we will use this uh, chemical fertilizer and, uh, you know, plants. So I think that's a little medium term. I think that's a medium term step that's being taken towards uh, getting better food security into country. But in the meantime, I, 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 the UA, United Nations has called for aid, aid and part of, uh, because uh, they have said that there's a humanitarian crisis unfolding in Sri Lanka. And part of this uh, aid will go towards uh, uh, providing food for like a number of uh, families they have uh, identified through their research. Finally, what's next for Sri Lanka? Um, so I think right now, immediately what we need is, the, is some kind of political stability, I would say, because 
right now we are we are stuck in a kind of a limbo because we have a president and we have a prime minister they they are, they have both expressed their willingness to step down but they have not stepped down and uh, while they are still in power like for example as i said earlier if the uh, the prime minister resigns resign uh, sorry if the, if just the president resigns uh, then prime minister becomes the president for the rest of the term but if both of them resigns uh, then the speaker has to uh, become the acting president and then there, there's a whole protocol to you know like uh, former interim government and then go to elections in a certain number of months generally in like six to one year period of time uh, so but in the in the immediate term i think what you need is some clarity as to what is going to happen because that now when there's a sense of uncertainty like this i think already most of the international community is not willing to give us funds so give us credit line so this this sense this would intensify if if we can't get in, get something uh, sorted out but economically i i i it's again very unclear because uh, there 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 are what some experts say even if you even if we get the imf bailout now that the the money we get will not be enough to uh, take us out of Uh, this crisis but at the same time the you know the the, the fact that i am we the sri lanka has came into an agreement with imf would bring in more uh, confidence with the international community who 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 will who might step in to help us more. so that's where we are economically how does it feel to be stuck in such a political and economic turmoil i have never thought i would have to live in a time like this in sri lanka because you know even like so if i go back to 2018 uh obviously there were some vulnerable families but life was uh, life in general was good for us you know we we had uh, good, relatively good internet connection we had fuel we had you know electricity uh we actually didn't have interruptions like this like now we are having daily power cuts and you know our hospital we had a good public hospital system we had we had a good public school system so but now at this point you know it it's all disrupted like hospitals can't function and uh, schools can't function and you know and pe- people in this country are like starving like uh, earlier like what they say is uh, Sri Lankans are already fun like crowd as as it goes. Like you know, they would they would enjoy any situation. But now I'm starting to see the desperation. You know, and 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 to to give give the rest of them credit, like we have been pretty resilient even through the crisis. Is that is that now we have hit the point that we can no longer bear this. but uh, these are terrible times we live in and like when you listen to, when you speak to these older people they tell you the same thing they are like we have never like we've been through a war we been in uh racial conflict riots and then a uh, a socialist uprising a tsunami but like this is worse than any of that and i i don't even see where the end of this is at this point 
Thank you, Dimotu. That was insightful. I'm sure this will help our listeners understand the on-ground situation better. And with that, we have come to an end of today's episode. You can catch this podcast every morning on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Prime Music, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are the Signal. Co on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. 